Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all? How is life treating you? I hope that wherever you are, there is some pleasure and some peace to whatever is happening around us. There is always that inner sanctuary that we can retreat to. And sometimes we forget that it exists within us. But amongst all the craziness and all the things that life may throw at us, I think what's important, certainly for me, is that we are these magnificent beings that are able to overcome almost anything to survive. And that's what we have to remember. Also, I find that in these times, people are so fearful. And it's a natural thing by what the world has gone through. But we can't fear. Because if we fear, we stop living. And that simply is something that we can't afford to do. Fear is the illusion of what could happen, but almost never does. So let us walk with bravery and courage onto our next adventure. And today, I'm very excited. I have to say, I absolutely adore my guests. And I'm excited about having a very big superstar, I have to say, on the show today. And I'm delighted to welcome my guest, who is the charismatic and talented Mem Ferda. Mem is an acclaimed and celebrated British screen star and international award-winning film producer. He studied at the prestigious acting schools Lambda and Radha, which led him to lead an impressive career as an actor and producer. His work spans worldwide, especially across Europe, Asia and the US. Mem's versatility and presence on screen has seen him star alongside Hollywood's A-listers. He's equally comfortable as hero or villain. And I have to say, he's very impressive in both, but the villain does scare me a little bit. But I think that's what it's supposed to do. That's the sign of a good actor. He has worked with Ray Liotta and Jason Statham in Guy Ritchie's Revolver, alongside Idris Elba in Legacy, as well as starring in a lead in Nicholas Winding's Refn's remake of the cult film Pusher. He later appeared with Drew Barrymore and Tony Collette in Miss You Already. 
He has landed lead roles in films of which include Hard Tide, Smoking Guns, and London Heist, amongst too many others to mention, but I'm sure he will tell us about them. He is now set for headlining in two exciting thrillers as a leading man, Jailbird, to be directed by multi-BAFTA winning director David Blair and the Gunfather trilogy. Mem's real-life background is rather interesting, as it is colourful. And it actually, I think, helps him to be such a fantastic actor. As a child, he witnessed an assassination attempt on his father. As a student, he was held at the Serbian border as a suspected drug smuggler. And in Istanbul, he was threatened at gunpoint. During his rebellious teens, he narrowly avoided being the getaway driver in a real-life heist. I know I've said that very calmly, but I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, and we have to know more. So today, it gives me the pleasure to welcome dear Mem and for him to share his absolutely incredible and colourful life. Hello, dear Mem. Hi, Mimi. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's a pleasure and thank you for honouring me to come on today. It's an honour to be on, on board with you, yeah, with this podcast. <laughs> oh, how are you? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm well. Well, well as can be, I guess, <laughs> given the pandemic. Um, yeah. Things haven't been, you know, normal, but yeah, it's uh, I'm kind of getting there, getting used to it a bit. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been quite tough. It is tough, you know, and whenever I... It, Actually, whenever I say to somebody, how are you? And I genuinely want to know how they are, you know, um, they pretty much give me a similar answer to you. Pretty much everybody says, well, you know, and even myself, I say, well, okay, you know, considering the circumstances, it's okay. But I think that's a very British thing as well. You know, the sky could be falling down, but it's okay. So, you know, you know, it's one of those things. But Tell us a little bit, we're going, let's start a little bit about your work um, and how it all started, this incredible career that you have, and then we'll go on to um, whatever you want to talk about, of course, but um, about all these things that are going on in the world, and we can try and put them right somehow, Mem. I don't know how, but we can try. We can try. (laughs) We can try. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about how this wonderful career started? Well, the acting kind of quite, came quite late, um, you know, to be honest with you, for, you know, for me. Um, I was always very, very creative as a child. Um, mm. I would often um, be entertaining family members. <laughs> my, my mother yeah. would put me on a chair and have me recite poetry, you know. Um, so I've kind of always had this innate um, creativity within me. Um, and wanting wanting to entertain, how it all started is I, I, I was uh, in Covent Garden one day you know, on a summer's day, and um, and I was um, spotted by a talent scout for, from a model agency that basically approached me and asked me if I was a model, and would I be interested in modelling? Um, you know, she gave me her card and and um, you know had a had a portfolio done, and you know, I mean, in fact, the the, the, um, the agent that actually approached me at the time. It was a bona fide agency, but not 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 a particularly good one. In mm. that, you know, they kind of made you 
you know, pay for photos and, and, and so forth rather than, uh, yeah, yeah. rather than go on go sees, you know, and it, you know, it shouldn't be that you should have to pay, but later on I discovered all that. So, you know, yeah, we learn the hard way sometimes. You learn the hard way as, yeah. as you do in life. Um, mm. There's always sharks around. So, but yeah, yes, I kind of, kind of, kind of started from that. And then I've got into that and I, and I, and I had quite a lucrative modeling career really um, throughout my teens and then that kind of slowly led into doing commercials, you know, and I started having some acting lessons and started doing some uh, commercials, um, signed up with an agent doing doing that. And and then from there, it basically went into, you know, I started to do acting. Um, I initially went to Aura, which is like the Academy of Live and Recorded Arts, and I did like a TV course there. Um, and then after that, you know, I thought like, I'd like to take this further. So that's when I actually, you know, uh, then went on to audition for Lambda and I got into Lambda and, you know, in the rest is history, really. Um, yeah. So we all kind of started from that. Um, is that something <laughs> that was always a dream job for you? Were you um, always dreaming about being an actor or was that something that you sort of accidentally fell into? I think it was innate in me. I mean, I was, I've always been creative and artistic. You know, I'd express it in certain um, scenarios whereby we'd have a, you know, there'd be a party. And, and my mother was very much, um, you know, she would encourage me in, into arts. You know, she was very, she spoke five languages herself. She was a very good dancer. She used to sing. So she she was the, the, the um, you know, the person that really kind of encouraged me into that line of work. Mm. Um, but she also understood how unstable it was. But my father was dead against it. You know, he was a high-ranking lieutenant uh, general in the in the Turkish army. He was an agricultural minister as well. He kind of he didn't look. He looked upon acting and you know, yeah, the arts basically as as being kind of you know, they're not non-stable jobs. He, he didn't encourage it at all. You know, yeah. so he, he kind of wanted he wanted me to be a lawyer, in fact. And um, well. I got, I got into university. I went to Goldsmiths University, um, University of London, and I basically studied psychology without him knowing. <laughs> oh. I didn't have the I didn't have the courage to say to him, "Look, Dad, I'm not doing law. I'm doing psychology. I wanted to do something that interests me." And I've always been fascinated by you know the human mind and human behavior. Mm. So um, you know, so I started on the course of of doing psychology, and hence I graduated and. Then I had to tell him, Dad, you know what? For the last you know, three years, I've been doing psychology, not law. Um, it turned out that he had actually lied to his father because his father actually wanted him to be a lawyer as well. And, oh, um, and okay. He, he came over here and went to London School of Economics and did two degrees, but in, in agriculture and hotel management rather than doing law. So, <laughs> as I say, father like son, but... Um, or yeah. my father. It was never encouraged, not for my, not by my father. And I had utter total respect for my father. So I would always listen to his word, you know. And um, so I did that, and uh, you know, and, and then I went out and I traveled around, you know, around the world, around Europe, um, came back, and then I thought, right, what do I do now? And my father again wanted me to, you know, having not done law, he wanted me to kind of get into business. Um, he had businesses himself and uh so it kind of encouraged me to do my master's, which I did. It, it, you know, I did an MBA at Middlesex University. So again, the acting thing was in, in me, but yet it wasn't being, I couldn't fully express it. Yeah, Even though yeah. I was working part-time, all the time, in fact, during my psychology degree and as well as um, doing my master's, I was still 
you know, with an agent, which my father didn't know about, and I was still doing shows and I was still doing, you know, you know, work and, you know, fashion shows and photographic assignments and, and so forth. But I kept it, we kept it all quiet. My mum knew, but my dad didn't know. We didn't want him to know. Need <laughs> um, to know basis. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how it was really. So it wasn't until I did, did my BSc in psychology and then I did my uh, MBA. And then I thought, you know what, dad, you know, <laughs> it's time I did what I want to do, you know. So hence I went, I um, auditioned for Lambda. And then I got in and um, I did my postgraduate um, in, in classical acting at Lambda. That was it really. So, so yeah, so I didn't really get into acting too late, even though it was always innate in me to, you know, be, you know, expressive and, 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 you know, you know, do, do, do artistic things. And it's, but you have actually succeeded in, you know, working along some of the biggest stars, but also you having some great roles. Yeah. How does that, how does that sort of make you feel looking back on your life? You know, because sometimes when we achieve something that we've always wanted, is it what you always thought it was going to be? Or, you know, sometimes dreams are not yeah. what we expected. Well, no, it, it was tough. It was tough. It wasn't as, you know, as, um, you know, it wasn't as easy as it sounds, I guess. I mean, you know, the fact is, you know, I am a foreigner, even though I was born and bred in London, my name Mem further in itself, um, you know, I, I did face a lot of um, discrimination within the industry. Um, did I mean, you even really? Yeah, very much so. You know, um, I mean, you know, casting directors will look at my, na my name, you know, Mem further and just assume you know, I'm foreign and I can't speak English properly or whatever, you know what I mean? That I'm not, I'm not fluent in English as, as much as I am, you know, and, and often I'd be cast playing, you know, like tough Russians and, you know, Eastern European, you know, um, you know, killers and so forth. And I, and I would, you know, and I would go and do them with this, with this accent, but it was, you know, this went on for years and, and, you know, and often casting directors would be surprised when I walked into a room and I could speak fluent English. And I, and I said, well, yes, I was born in London, lived here all my life. Um, it wasn't, yeah, it, it was by no means easy. You know, it was, um, it was, it was a tough battle. But yeah, I, you know, I do feel extremely honoured ha having worked with such stars as, you know, Idris Elba and, you know, Drew Barrymore and, you know, Tony Collette, as you say. Um you know, you're very I, humble about everything, I have to say. You yeah, know, you're very down to earth and you're very Yeah, I think, I think you need to be, you know. I think, I mean, it's, it's very gratifying. Don't get me wrong. And I, and I do look back and think, yes, I, I've been very lucky. Yeah. However, you know, there's, there's this innate drive in me that kind of still wants more. I don't, I don't feel that, you know, I haven't, I haven't really fully satisfied myself as yet, I feel. But that's a good thing, I think, isn't it? Because... yeah. If you feel that you're fully satisfied, then you won't strive for anything. But while there's this sort of fire um, burning, yeah. then there's still things to do in this life. Very much so, yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel there's a power within us all, you know, for self-discovery. Mm. And, and it's about, you know, making time for introspection, yeah. I think one yeah. needs to examine their own mental and emotional processes, you know, and they don't take enough time in solitude to do this. Whereas I do, you know, for, for me, it's a paramount importance for me to basically, you know, sit there and really think about what it is I want to do next. Mm. Um, 
you know, I mean, the, the old cliche thing about, you know, to be the best version of ourselves, but that very much holds true for me. That, that is, I'm, I'm completely striving to better myself, no matter what I've done up till now. Like, you know, like recently, you know, I'm, I'm in the book I'm reading now, I'm reading about cryptocurrency and about NFTs and, you know, Bitcoin. What are NFTs? I see that everywhere. What is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't pronounce it now. Non-fungible uh, tokens or something. I mean, I'm, I'm literally... To do with money. To do with money. It's, it's to do with money. I mean, it's, it's a form okay. of cryptocurrency, basically, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about digital. Um, it's, about, it's about it's about what, what people see as being scarce and, and assigning, you know, a sense of scarcity to something to give it value, you know, and you know, yeah. you can have a piece of that as it were, you can buy into it and, and then you can sell it at a later date once the price goes up. You know, I, I still don't know much about it, you know, but it's stuff that I'm looking into mm. because they're, they're saying it's the next big thing and so forth. So yeah, they it's, are. Just, it's something yeah, I, I mean, want to discover. Yeah. I think it's, uh, a beautiful thing to want to keep learning in life. I and, think so, I, yeah. and I always say to myself, Mimi, there's so many things you don't know. And then I say, well, you, actually, you don't know anything. And um, I, you realize, really, what do you really know? Because sometimes life can be so disappointing in so many ways. And in other ways, it can be so joyful. Yeah. But it, it's a difficult balance, isn't it, Mem? Especially as we were talking earlier and especially what's happened with this pandemic, it's really made, I think, nearly every person really have to soul search inside themselves. It's not an easy yeah. thing, is it? Yeah, no, very much so. And I, and I feel that we all have a unique, we're all unique, indiv- you know, individuals, mm. and we all have a hidden talent, yeah? Yeah. Um, but I feel that not all of us discover that innate talent the talents that we possess, you know, you, you know, you, you, in your lifetime, you may not discover that one talent that could have been, but I really believe that everyone has that, that something, you know, that but they need to kind of focus and you know, try to find what it is. It's true. It's true. And I think I've always said to myself is what gives me peace. And I found, I don't know about you, but whatever gives me peace is the right thing to do. Yeah. And it could be the craziest thing to other people. But, you know, even if it's, I don't know, painting bottles. I like painting bottles and making ornate bottles. Even if it's something like that, the relaxation, if it makes you happy, yeah, that's what you have to do. I think that's the answer is whatever gives you that pleasure and that peace in your heart, that surely has to be the right thing. Nothing. So like I mentioned before when we spoke, um, you know, I feel that the physical and mental health both coexist. Uh, both need to be in sound condition for you to function psychologically, you know, complete. You know, and I, th- I think it's important that, that there's a balance, there's an equilibrium, you know, yes. both both for physical and mental um, health. I mean, I find, like I said, I mean, you know, with me, you know, I find I can relax in a way where I play music, which, you know, kind of evokes strong imagery and emotions and, and mm-hmm. I can relax to that, you know, and uh, and I, I sleep with a fan constantly on blowing a cool breeze over my face, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I put like <laughs> dim blue light in the corner so I'm not in total darkness. But I find that very soothing, you know. Some people think you're crazy, but, you know. It's, it doesn't it's what, matter as long as it It doesn't really matter, you. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Have like, you listened to rain? This is my new thing, listening to rain. You can right. look on, have a look on YouTube yeah. and 
so many people, millions of people, men, are listening to rain and thunder sounds. Right. It totally chills you out. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine rain doing that. You know, I mean, I we tend need to, to switch off, don't we? We do. You know, and I tend, I tend to put like Hans Zimmer on or, or some, or, you know, Reicha and on the nature of daylight and listen to that. I find that quite relaxing. But, but it, in, in some way, it, you know, it does rejuvenate me, you know, and I feel the human spirit has immense power and, and you do need to tap into that and, and, and try to develop that as much as you can. I mean, I'm still learning, you know, these new adventures, as it were, into yoga and. You started you, you, yoga, haven't you? Well, I've got, I've got, I've got, yeah, one of my friends is a yoga instructor and he's, he's kind of advised me. I'll tell you why, because um, basically with this um, pandemic, um, I haven't been as mobile as I normally am. You know, I mean, I would like 6.30 in the morning, go for a swim. Um, I haven't been able to get down to the gym. You know, I'm still very much anxious about going into a locker room with people there. Still, still very much worried about COVID, you know, and, and my wife is as well for me as well. She's, she's very concerned. So so I still haven't really ventured out. I've got a home gymnasium, which I use, but I've been a lot more, um, you know, um, you know, sat on my computer, you know, day in, day out, you know, working and, and, and hours just fly by and I'm just not being as mobile as, as, as I, you know, as I, as I normally am. So I've been quite sedentary and, and because of that, I've had some, some back pain, you know, yeah. um, and neck pain, <laughs> you know, I had neck, um, back pain, neck pain, knee pain. And so, so I was talking to a friend of mine who, who's a yoga instructor. <laughs> like an old and he said, you feel you need like, to... oh dear. Sorry? I know that, that feeling that I feel sometimes like an old goat. Oh, this hurts. Yeah, that I'm thinking, hurts. wow, what is this? What's this pain, you know? And um, yeah, yeah. You know, you know I, do, I do walk and I, you know, I have been doing a little bit of training in my gym, but it's not enough, you know, and, um, and basically, you know, he said, maybe you need to stretch. You need to, and he gave me some yoga exercises to do, you know, like the figure four and, you know, um, was it downward facing dog? I think it is. I can't remember them now, but, <laughs> but you know, but I've tried, I've tried them and, and they are starting to help, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, right, this is, this, this does make sense. Let's, you know, th- this is something I need to explore more, you know? So, yeah. So. It's it, a difficult balance. It is, yeah, very much so. Um, but you know, I think, is it I think that the body, if the body's healthy, the mind's healthy, or is it if the mind and spirit, if the spirit's healthy, I think, yeah. then everything's healthy. Yeah, because you could be a super super athlete and feel really crap, mm, mm. but you could feel if you could get, if you or I or all of us, if we could get our spirit together. Yeah. Then everything would be okay around us. We we'd have that passion and that um, joyful outlook. But you can do everything on the outside. But I think if you don't begin with the inside, it doesn't really work. No, no. You know that's why I say you know introspection is mm. so important. And also, you know, I feel that um, you, you know it, having the discipline as well. You know, you have you have to have discipline and you have to have a positive mindset. I yeah. think that's, that's that's required. No matter what you do in life, I think without discipline and without a positive attitude, it's very hard to achieve anything. You know, you know, you have to be determined and you have to work hard. That's what I find. Mm. You know, I, you know, in my mind, I always think, right, you're not going to outwork me. You know, <laughs> and 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 I, and I try to to do that. You know, I try to be very much 
you know, focused on, you know, on a goal. It's all well and good setting goals. By all means, do that, right? But yeah. it needs to be approached. It needs to be approached step by step. Yeah. Um, there has to be a, a kind of method. Meth- I can't pronounce it. A methodology. I don't know. I'm not going to help you. Well, whatever. But you can have a method, yeah, basically. That's it. what I'm trying to say. Really. Yeah, yeah, I get it. You've got to have a method, a method by whereby you, you aim to achieve that goal. You don't yeah. just set a goal mm-hmm. and then set about, you know, and then and then try to achieve it in one complete step. It doesn't work. I think the most important of all is to basically set it step by step. And what's even more important is to reward yourself as you complete each step. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, after I graduated from Lambda, right, mm-hmm. I, I, I signed up with really good agents and I was getting great work. And, and I, I was doing a play, a Webster play, uh, Duchess of Malfi, and I was the lead playing Bossola. And, and I came out on stage and, and, and it was, you know, I had done a couple of nights. It went great. It was fantastic. You know, standing ovation, all the rest of it. And then one night I came out and I stood there and I, and I just couldn't remember anything. <laughs> My whole mind went blank. And basically I had, well, at the time I didn't know what it was, but it was a panic attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had a panic attack. Did this really dented my you know, confidence? Yeah. And my, and my self-belief. And it happened again. I was, I was due to do a film called Entrapment. Um, you know, I was on my way to, to the set. And I got there and it was like, a, it was in a glass building and, at the uh, filming at the bank in central, mm-hmm. in central London. And, and I thought, I can't go into it. I can't walk into this building because it's made of glass. And I was thinking, if I walk in there, I won't be able to breathe. Yeah, And I was thinking really illogically, irrationally about everything. So I rang my wife and I said, listen, my heart is pounding and, and I'm going to need to go into, you know, to work. And I said, and I can't go into the building. She goes, what do you mean? And I said, I just can't get in the building. She goes, well, get on the tube, you know, we'll, you know, come home, phone, phone your agent, tell, tell them what's happening. And I couldn't get in the tube either, you know? Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it was terrible. So I, I walked, right, along the embankment and I felt that I couldn't breathe. I was looking up at the sky and I was thinking, there's a shortage of air in the sky. I'm walking, mm-hmm. I was not walking near the, near the, near the Thames. The water I found quite relaxing, but I was looking up and I was thinking, I can't breathe. You know, it's, anyway, cut a long story short, I ended up in St. Thomas's hospital, you know? And I said, yeah. look, I said, I think I'm having a, a heart attack. You know, I went to the reception and, you know, they, they said, oh, look, we'll get a doctor out to you straight away, which they did. They, they wired me up to an ECG machine and, and, you know, and everything was fine. My wife came down. She was, you know, panicking and whatever. And anyway, it turns out I had this panic attack. Yeah. Um, and I said, well, what causes it? And, you know, and then they kind of, kind of explained. But basically what happened is basically I was referred to a, a psychotherapist, you know. Yeah. I called John Church, who's fantastic, actually. Um, so anyway, I went to see this psychotherapist and he practiced cognitive psychology. And I was going through, you know, I was suffering from agoraphobia. You know, I couldn't go outside. This this went on for nearly a year, you know, so I stopped all my acting. Um, this was, you know, after that play, he gave me a, a bunch of books to read, right, which mm-hmm. basically affect, you know, well, the whole point of it is to, is to affect your psychology into the, the, when you read the books, it gives it builds up a fear of being incarcerated in your own home. Mm. So I read these books and these case studies of, like, people that have suffered from anxiety and whatever, and... I mean, fear is a natural thing, right? Your fight and fight and flight mechanism is basically being overhauled, you know. And 
that it's that, that 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 that's the problem. You know, I'd watch a news report on TV of an airplane crash, let's say, or mm. something like that, and 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 it would it would affect me immensely to a point that you know it's almost like I knew every person on that plane mm. um, that had died, let's say, you know. So, you know, it, it was very it was very tough. But what I needed to do is maintain some form of balance and harmony, yeah, uh, within yeah. this fight and flight mechanism of mine, you know, and um. And and I did. I mean, you know, it, it was it was a battle, um, and and I feel I feel that I have I have conquered it, but right. I know deep down I haven't, because it was a point. You know, I couldn't get on a bus, right? But I can now. I couldn't get on a train, but I can now on a tube, mm. right? Um, you know, I went out with a cousin of mine, and he said he said, "Ma'am, look, it's just a form of transportation. Just get on the bus." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all it was. It was him just saying something very logical. And I thought, you know what? You're right. What am I worrying about? And I got on the bus, you know. And one thing that I haven't haven't conquered, however, Mm. is getting into a lift on my own. I still find that quite daunting. I won't won't go into a lift on my own for some reason, you know. I'll tell you a funny story. I... I had a I had a, a lead part in heart, in heartbeat. I had a guest lead in heartbeat, mm-hmm. playing this kind of big Russian KGB agent, right? Anyway, I went for the audition at the, at the um, ITV studios, and I went to the reception. I said, "Ma'am, uh, they're ready for you. Uh, can you go up to the I don't know what it was, like fourteen floor, right?" So I thought, yeah. "All right, I can't take the stairwell. It's like fifteen floors, wherever it was." So so I went back. I went to the lift, and I stood outside it. And the doors opened and I didn't get in. So anyway, this was happened a couple of times. And I'm thinking, right, I'm going to be late. So I went, I walked over to the desk and I said, excuse me. I said, I know this is like very cra- you know, crazy thing to say, but um, can you please get someone to accompany me up the lift? You know, because I can't get into it on my own. Anyway, so I'm standing there and they said, that's fine, man. Wait at the lift and we'll send someone down. And the doors open, and this old lady, sweet old lady, <laughs> probably like in her eighties, you know what I mean, looks up at me and says, "Are you ma'am? And I said, "Yeah." You know, she goes, oh, "I've come to get you." You know, oh. and I get in the I get in the lift with this old lady, sweet old lady, you know, and then there am I, six foot two, you know, built like a brick s house, yeah. yeah. And there's this poor old lady standing next to me, and I'm thinking, "Ma'am, what are you doing? You know, why, why are you so scared? Why are you so scared to get in the lift?" You know, I, I go to the audition and I audition for them. And the, and there and then they give me the job. It's never happened before. But, you know, they said, ma'am, we'd, lo- we'd love you to play that role. You know, so, so they give, they've, they've, I've got the role. They've given me the role. But they said on one condition that you go down in the lift on your own. You know? Oh, my goodness. It was incredible. And I thought, what? You know, and I did. Right? You did it. Yeah, I did it. I got in and I thought, you know what? Because we're not going to give you the role <laughs> unless you get in that lift and go down on your own, you know, and and um and I, you know, and I did it, you know, I went in and but I still I still try and avoid it if I can. If there's a if there's a staircase, I'll take the stairs, you know. It's it's just crazy. But I think once you've had a panic attack or what you go through a panic, you know, these kind of panic attack mm. episodes, that there is a residue of, you know, your your confidence is knocked. And, um, and and even though you do kind of, you can get back, you, you know, you will get back, you know, you will be fine, you know. But I feel that there's always like a, some residue there left behind, you know. A lingering of um, the event of what went. Yeah, li- yeah, some kind of lingering. Yeah. See, I mean, yeah. a similar thing happened because I had a, um, 
I had a scene in Cabin and QC. I love Cabin and QC. Yeah, I was in it. I was like an, a, an airplane engineer that had been negligent in repairing an airplane, and and the result of that was an it was an airplane. You know, there was a crash and whatever. You and you know, yeah. so so I was, so I was called into court to be questioned about what you know. How did I carry out my you know um, you know my you know my work on on, on mm. the engine and so forth? Yeah. Anyway, um, so I sat there. I was dressed up in this kind of you know Royal Air Force uniform. And the camera kind of turned on me and was like focusing right at me. And it's getting very, very close to me. And it's almost like I looked at the camera and it almost looked like a dragon mm. taking on this kind of, this, this kind of transformation and metamorphosis into, into this kind of dragon. And he's like staring at me. And, and I realized that it wasn't so much a camera that was scaring me. What it was is my mind, my, I'd lost my sister to cancer. Right, she was a, she was a barrister. Yeah, she was twenty. She was twenty six years old. Oh dear! And, and I lost her to cancer. And what it was is because I was in a courts, you know, situation in a, in a circumstance, you know, in a yeah. surrounding. Um, so subconsciously, I was thinking about my sister. Yeah, and that had a profound effect. That had an effect on me. You know that that's kind of I started, you know, to shallow breathe. Um, you know, I was losing focus. You know, and it was because I was reflecting back at having lost my sister, you know, and, you know, and uh, so, yeah, like you say, there's always this kind of lingering thing that can, it can, it can be triggered at any time. I think the only blessing that's come out of it is, well, I mean, there's a couple of blessings that come out of it. One, I can now control my stress levels. So if at any time I'm feeling stressed, I know how to, how to control it with deep breathing and, you know, and, and doing kind of, you know, uh, distraction exercises whereby, you 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 know you know you think of some other thoughts, you know. Mm, mm. Um, one of the things was, you know, when when I was in, in fact, when I was in that court scene, there was a guy there that really had kind of helped me. I said, "Mem, you know, when you look at these people around you, you know, the judges and and, and lawyers and so forth, you know, the actors basically playing judges and lawyers, because mm. just imagine them naked." He said, "Yeah, I know, you know? that trick. Yeah, yeah." So, so I kind of did that trick, and it works. And then you know, then there's also this um, rescue remedy, which is basically a. I don't know. Do you know the rescue remedies? Like yeah, a, bath flower remedies. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and you put a, you put a drop on your tongue again. I use just, them all the time. Do you? Yes, I all do. Right. You, you know, there's all different sorts. Well, I mean, I, I just use it. I just use it for a while at the time when I was going yeah. through all this, and it, and it kind of acts as a distraction. You know, so it's really it's to take your mind away from what yeah. you're thinking about to, mm. to that. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it did work. But I think the biggest blessing of all was that. Um, you know, I was classically trained at Lambda um, and I was doing Shakespeare plays and, and so forth. And and one thing that did kind of, um, because of this incident, what happened, it turned me to film. Yeah. And I started doing more film work and I signed with an agent that does that does more film work than they do theatre. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I found that I really enjoyed film. I mean, I mean, I was familiar with it, having done some commercials and, 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 and you know, shows and things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, the, the real turning point for me was, well, look, let me act in film rather than theatre and see what that's like. And it was like a point of epiphany, really, as in, I thought, hang on a minute, right, so I get the words wrong, I can get to do it again, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, it was one of those, rather than the whole kind of pressure on your shoulders of like having to be able to remember every single word, you know, like you're doing a Shakespeare play and you can't add lib or anything like that because people that come to see the play know every word anyhow. Yeah. So, you know, it was one, you know, and it, it was, it was, it was like a breath of fresh air, you know, and I, and I, I just 
grew to love film. And, I, you know, so that's what I've been doing. And then I am a coward, as in I still haven't returned back to tread the boards, as it were, you know. Mm. Um, but I do plan to. I do want to do that, you know, because I, I do want to challenge myself. And I do like challenging myself all the time. Um, so I do want to return back and do a play, you know, as a lead in a play, um, you know. What's but, stopping you, do you think? Well, I just haven't got around to doing it, you know, really. To be honest, I've still got a lot of film commitments that I need to, you know, to, to complete. But, I, yeah, I, I do want to do it. But I, I think I might have to ease my way back to doing it. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I am scared of having a panic attack again. But I haven't had one touch wood for, well, for many years. Um, about 15 odd years, I guess. <laughs> maybe, maybe more, you know, maybe more. So it probably won't happen. And I think I know how to control my stress levels now. So... Um, acting is tough. It is not, you know, it's not e an easy career. You know, it, it, is a, it is a tough career. It is very much so. And I'm thinking, because I was looking at all the things that you've done and, you know, yes. knowing all the things that you've been through and everything, but it's been a very colourful life. I mean, it has been, yeah. You witnessed, it's, it, you know, because they say there's all sorts of different schools of thoughts um, and psychologies on panic attacks and all of that. But sure. um, one of the things that I found, and I speak about myself and my clients and that in that area of my work, is a lot of it is if you haven't dealt with a traumatic event. Yeah, yeah. So when you have a trauma, yeah, I think it's, not only does it affect the mind, it affects the body because being, I also work with the body and when my clients, you know, when we do hands-on work, you can actually feel, and you know, you know that mem in yourself, you know that every single cell in our body holds the memory of everything that you've gone through. Yeah. So any sort of, um, trigger and it can happen years later you know people that have been in a war or people that have been kidnapped or people that have seen a distressing event doesn't matter um it can appear years later and yeah. then that fear that's sort of locked inside of us re-emerges its head in whatever form it does whether that be a panic attack whether that means we're not going to go out going to shut ourselves in the cupboard whatever it is and it's it's helpful sometimes to revisit some events in our life yeah that are not too painful to yeah. actually in a way witness them again you yeah. know and say well actually okay let's take the example of a lift um you don't want to go in the lift for me it's heights even though i climb mount sinai and i love mountains yeah, I've got a thing about heights, right. but if I was to push that to the extreme yeah. of what could happen, if yeah. I go to the highest building, what is it? And it's about falling, sure, um, and dying, and you know, then it gets totally uh, irrational. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes it, it helps to push the fear completely. To say, well, okay, by getting a lift, what could happen? I could get stuck. Yeah. I could die. Yeah. Well, you could die on the armchair, God forbid. Yeah. Um, but I think it's the fear of this unknown 
Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's completely irrational. It? You know, if I if I had a, if I had a case yeah. whereby I had you know had got stuck in a lift before, then 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 that's kind of like you know justifiable as it were. You know, all right, okay, this yeah. is why. You know, but it's that's never happened. So why am I thinking that you know <laughs> these possibilities? It's a loss of power. I think. I think it's um, for all of us. You know, um, you've survived a lot of things in your life. Yeah. So um, it's how we process them. And if we're young, we don't process them. I remember I was sitting in the car and my parents were in a pub garden. And I wanted to go in there because they had peacocks. But the issue was, is they had an Alsatian. So I decided to sit in the car um, and look at the peacocks. But the window was open. Alsatian jumped through the window. Oh, right. I've yeah. been petrified of Alsatians ever since. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of understandable then. <laughs> yeah, but then I, I, for years, until I went to a healer, I was yeah. petrified of dogs. Right. I'm not too keen on, on big dogs now. Yeah, yeah. Um, if one ran towards me, I think I'd be running in the opposite direction. Um, sure. But it's... Um, but our, you know, sort of phobias and things have no rationality, but they're there. I, I truly believe this because there is a pain somewhere within all of us that we haven't healed something in our life. Yeah. And that's what I think we have to look to. Um, because I've been through so many things in my life, and as a child, I was very, very shy. And but that actually was because. I could read people really well. Yeah. So I uh, I would look at somebody and think, you're weird. I mean, I yeah. do think most people are weird. But anyway, I would look at them and I think, well, you're strange. And it was it was really actually the fact of my energy and their energy didn't get on. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes that panic and that fear is actually trying to tell you something. Yeah. And energies are so important, you know, and I, and I feel that, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you, there's sometimes you, you see someone, I mean, I, I, and I've done it with, you know, I've kind of been with, on projects where I've seen someone mm-hmm. and I just know I'm not going to get on with them on this project. Yeah. You know, they've, they've done nothing to give me any kind of inclination as to why we were not going to get on. It's just an energy. It's just a vibe that you feel. It, it is very strange. Um, but I'm also quite superstitious as well. And also, and I do believe in star signs as well, you know? Do you? Yeah, and being a Scorpio, I, I, yeah. I actually seek out to work with people that are Cancer or or Pisces, you know, because I get on so well with them, you know? And then whenever yeah. I come when I come across a Leo, I see, I see friction there or, you know, a Capricorn, you know, I know there's going to be issues. And you know what? Lo, lo and behold, there, there is... You know, if I'm producing a film and then I find, I mean, I'm meeting me up with a fellow producer, you know, they do see, they think I'm a bit strange, but I do ask them, what star sign are you? You know, in the <laughs> middle of a meal, you know, I might say, oh, by the way, what star sign are you? And they're like, what? What's that got to do with anything? You know? <laughs> and and it does. And it really does. And if they say I'm a cancer, I'll go away feeling a lot more satisfied than, you know. I love you then if you're a cancer, but it's, if you're, Another sign, then I don't, I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I know there's no logic to it, but you know what? It, it does. But but I find that it does work. 
you know, mm. and, and, and also Thursdays. Thursdays have always been a really good, real good day for me. Uh, you know, oh, okay, my whole life, yeah. mm-hmm. So I never make sometimes. You know, if, I, if I'm to if I'm to make a decision about a certain project, right, or mm-hmm. a certain production, or or whatever, something that I'm unsure about, mm. I'll delay it till Thursday, and then I'll say, right, I'll I'll tell you. Can I give you a call Thursday? And I go, yeah, sure, ma'am. And 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 I'll, and I'll make that decision on the first day. It's just, it's just crazy, I know. Well, look, if it works, it works. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. If it works, it works. You know, that, that's. I'm not going to sit there analysing it all day long. But... No, no. There's nothing to analyse. You know, it, it has to feel right. And if if on Thursday it helps to wear the wear a feather behind your ear, yeah, and that's what works for you. Then yeah, that's I what think works so. for you. You know? I think all these things, all these little things help to build your inner core, you know, of confidence, um, you know, and I, and I think tapping into your inner voice, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's so important. If something is kind of saying to me, ma'am, this doesn't feel right. I, yeah. I find, I find that I should not go along with it. I mean, I, I, I developed a, there's a quote of mine that I basically, you know, made up myself, yeah. which is um, to cultivate inner life. We must surrender to instinct. And, and I kind of developed this more for my acting than anything else. And it's to remind myself the importance of being organic and instinctual in my performances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also in, in the development of, of the characters that I play, but equally what I've found is also applicable to life, mm-hmm. basically meaning that actions being dictated or governed by your instinctual gut feeling should never be ignored because when I have ignored them, right. I've made yeah. the wrong decision. It's really, really weird. So that's why I do believe, you know, I, I try to take a scientific approach to life, but why? I can't. Why do you do that? I, why, I don't know why. why. I think because, I, you know, I mean, I think, well, growing up, you know, at A-level and O-level and whatever, I did the sciences, oh. you know, and, and then I studied psychology, which is a social science, you know, oh, yeah. so they oh. do the two-tail tests and they always try to, you know, verify their, their um, experiments and research. So I think that's kind of built up that kind of... Um, side of you know of my brain however on the other side of it is my very artistic brain you know mm-hmm. which which you know does look to things like spiritualism and you know you know being superstitious and those sort of things you know so yeah i mean I, the instinctual stuff is is very very important and you know i do not ignore it yeah, I, may, I, may, I may use it as a sounding board with, with other things you know i may use other things as a sounding board you know and and, and bounce bounce off ideas of what I think we should do. But then if my gut feeling is still saying, no, I don't, I don't think we should. I normally tend to listen to it and it does normally tend to be the right decision. Um, I think you're a hundred percent, a thousand, a million percent right. Yeah. Because that gut feeling is something that's deep within us. That's pushing us towards a certain direction that is right. And I know as well, like you say, if I've gone against it, I have made terrible mistakes. Yeah. I mean, how do you explain this, right? All of a sudden, I've had a a dream about someone I haven't seen for about eight, nine years. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and, and and then I think about them. And then two days later or a day later, I get an email from them. There's this kind of calling. It's almost like a telepathy, you know, whereby you think of someone, you constantly think of them, they've just... And then, and then you get that call or you get that email or, or you bump into them on the street, you know, it's happened so many times and it is unexplainable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a lot more to us than what, than, you know, than what we, I guess, see. Um, oh, absolutely. And how do you know? I, this is what I sort of worked out. How do we know? 
that, for example, these panic attacks or these fears mm. Mm. being constricted or trapped or whatever, how do you know that it's at that point your soul, my soul, is trying yeah. to tell us something and we're yeah. not listening? And yeah. therefore, the body then starts to constrict and to react because there's no other way for us to get that communication yeah. other than to cause us a physical difficulty. Yeah. Have you ever thought of that? Yeah, no, definitely. It, you know, it makes complete sense. Life is tough, you know, but um, I, th I, think I think we make it tough, don't we? A lot of the time, um, we make a lot of things. I know I do. I yeah. can exaggerate things. Yeah. And there's a whole story there. And then I just say to myself, for goodness sake, you know, you've just made that whole scenario of what could, if could, yeah, that's definitely going to happen. And then I said, well, what if it doesn't happen? And then you say to yourself, oh, well, I didn't think of that, actually. Yeah. Because yeah. somehow too many sort of things out there try to stimulate us into thinking negative things. Yeah. Whereas if you go back traditionally to, let's say, the Far East um, or whatever, the old types of traditional wisdom, yeah. it's not to focus on negative news or negative things, yeah. but actually to look within. Yeah, there, there, I mean, there is there is so much negativity out there, and you know, especially now, thing. isn't it? In, in terms of in terms of my in terms of friendships as well, yeah. right? I mean, I I, I have hundreds of associates. Yeah, have very few friends. <laughs> right, I find it. You're lucky that you even have a few. Yeah, honestly, because you, know, yeah. you know, as I get older. I find it incredibly hard to trust anyone. Now, I don't know if that's because I've been in an industry and I've been exposed to basically characters that are sharks, you know, and they're out for their own self-gain and nothing more. Um, but a lot of my friends do predominantly, you know, are outside of the film industry. I, I, I really I hardly have any friends that are within the industry that I work in. Mm. Um, and I, I just find it very, very difficult to to trust anymore, you know, I just, um, and, and one thing I won't do is in terms of like negativity, you know, if I feel that anyone is given any kind of any form of negativity towards me about anything, I, I basically shut them out now. You know, the, the friendship is so important. Um, and I think, you know, I like to have friends that I can embrace new experiences with and awakenings together. And it encourages, you know, to have good friends encourages a sense of like belonging you know, and it helps develop, and you know, your your own internal courage and social skills, yeah, which we all need. Absolutely. You know? But now I feel that people are becoming a lot more closed in. In fact, it's quite worrying in today's digital age how, you know, um, people are just basically addicted to devices, aren't they? Yeah. You know, they, their laptop or their iPad or whatever. They almost like feel, you, you almost feel naked if you don't have your smartphone with you, you know? It's sad. Because this is kind of loss of human contact. Very true. You know, and, and, I, and I think that sadly, it's, it's taken this pandemic to teach us a lesson. And that is that we all yearn for connection with others. I mean, I, I certainly miss hugging people and kissing them, you know. Mm. And, you know, I, I, do, I do miss that contact. Um, but one thing that, one, one thing where I, 
where I kind of it meant a lot to me, where, where this was, was, was more of a realisation for me, was when my father was very ill in hospital. He had a mobile, but he couldn't operate it. Yeah, and as much as I taught him, look, Dad, you have to press this button to get me and blah, blah, blah. He could yeah. never get his mind around it. It was, bless him, he was 90, 93 years old. But, you know, he, he, he couldn't operate it. I got him a big dial telephone, you know, and he just, he just couldn't do it. And I thought, you know what? It was good that he couldn't do it because, you know what? I, I would just, I, I would probably talk to him and say, oh, look, Dad, I'm in a meeting. Can I call you back? And, and because he could not contact me that way, it made me go and see him. Yeah. And I did this on a regular basis, on a daily basis. I would be there beside him. And 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 and, and it was it was nice to have that human that contact with him, to hold him, you know, to hug him, you know, to talk Aww. to him face yeah. to face, yeah. to look into yeah. his eyes and, and and have discussions with him rather than on the phone or you know. And I just I feel it's sad that that we've kind of lost that now, you know. We've it's very true. And uh, human beings though. Even though this age of whatever it is moving mm. towards digital age or it's been moving for years like that, you cannot uh, expect humans to be um, isolated like that because yeah. we are creatures. You know, we're mankind. We're meant to be together. We're meant to share touch and love and as you say look in someone's eyes and touch their hand I was in a supermarket and I bumped into this lady three times (laughs) and I thought oh my goodness and I don't like supermarkets I have to say to you but I just just don't like them and um, bright lights and all the people and oh dear and um, I prefer a market any day or a sook or something so I bumped into this lady and bless her and she had you know um those things that you push um with the little wheels is it a yeah. zimmer frame with wheels? all right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, I mean for goodness sake I could have knocked her over but it was because I wasn't looking I was looking at the shelf and then was so into what what I was looking into and then I turned around my head down I thought oh my goodness by the third time I just took her by the hand and she was I don't know she was an elderly lady over sure. 70 and I said I am so sorry I said this yeah. keeps happening and she took my hand ma'am she said it's okay she said no one's held my hand for years oh are you joking oh my goodness yeah. you know I started crying I yeah. started crying and I thought Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it really, even now I could cry. Um, yeah. I thought, my God, this is what we're missing. Yeah. This connection of love and humanity. And, you know, um, some days you think I love everybody. And some days you think I don't want to see anybody, but there is that innate love in us. Yeah. That it, it's natural to us. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I understand. You know, it reminds me of um, when my father was in hospital, and I would visit. I'd visit him every day. Um, I was very close to my father. You know, I loved him dearly, and um, and I'd be there every day. Right? And then one one evening, mm-hmm. I was there, and um, as I stood up to leave, this old man, you know, with a walking stick, um, really unsteady on his feet, right? Slowly, he kind of he wobbled over to me, right. Mm-hmm. And um, and he placed his hand on my left shoulder, and he kind of like you know ushered himself close you know to my ear, and really softly spoken, he said, um, "Because I because I've been watching you, son, for over a month now, 
and I've been absorbed, he said, in admiration at how attentive you have been to your father. Right? Oh. And then he said, which broke my heart, he said, I hope one day my son will be awakened to care for me the way you have cared for your father. Oh. You know? And, um, and he said, you know, he must be ever so proud. And I was really touched by his words and I fought back my tears, you know, and I said, I replied to him, I remember, and I said, if there is an option, I'm not aware of one, sir, I said to him, and nor do I wish to be. I said to him, I said, he's my father and I'm his only son, you know? Oh, you know, I've got tears in my eyes, man. Yeah. You know, and and I looked at this guy and I thought, wow, you know what, honestly, um, I, what a beautiful I, I, thing to say to you! Yeah, that he actually recognised that powerful love that you. Yeah, had. yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it was oh. just—it was profound. You know, it was honestly. It was, um, yeah, it's those moments when people appear out of nowhere sometimes to teach us something, to remind us something. The other day, I was getting into the car and I was putting stuff into the car, and there was an old man and he must have been about 18. He was riding a bike mm. and he said to me, are you okay? I said, yes. I said, I'm just trying to get this stuff into the car. He said, do you right. want me to help you? Right. I said, no, no, it's okay. Because I put it all in little bags. so I couldn't carry the heavy stuff. And I said, no, it's okay. Thank you. He said, well, you see, the thing is I've made my life about being kind to other people. Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, and you certainly are. Yeah. And he said, and you recognized it, he said, and that's what's important. Sure, yeah. So these moments, ma'am, this is yeah. what I mean, that gave me a step. You know, I had a spring in my step that day because yeah. we shared that moment. It does, it, it does. Two, two minutes. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and I thought, Very I love so. you. I thought to myself, yeah. calm down, Mimi, because I just get over the top sometimes. And I think to myself, bless them, you know. Um, yeah. But it's that feeling of compassion. Very and, much so. You know, I think that if we have compassion and love in our hearts, we can't go far wrong in life. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. But I also believe... See, you see, what, what I don't want to do, or what, what I don't want to fall into, is 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 seeing life through rose-coloured glasses. You know, I do a little bit. I have, to yeah, and, and I do have friends that are like very much like you that that do that. You know, um, because I'm aware that there, there's there, there are evil people out there as well. You I know, know, and I know. you know, I've come across them. <laughs> you know, and um, me too, me too. Do you know what I mean? And you yeah. know, and, and yeah. you do need to identify that as well. You know, they're just you know they're full of poison and venom. They can't. They don't like to see anyone succeed. Yes, because you know. Yeah, I am. I am successful at what I do, right? I, I don't. I don't need. I've got. I've got no need for anything. I've achieved what I've achieved. My wife is more or less the same. We're both kind of very committed to our careers. Mm -hmm. I don't have any children. You know, we 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 got we this we chose not to have kids, um, but she's very career orientated, and and so am I. And and you know, and we do have a nice life. We have a comfortable life, you yeah. know, but. There are there are people that that accept that and and and, and you know and people come to me for help and you know what I'll, I, it gives me I, you know it's very very gratifying to help others you know 
Mm-hmm. I only help people that I can evidently see are actually trying to better themselves. Because you, you've got to be aware of people that are just out there and they're, they're just basically jealous. And, you know, there's a lot of venom there. There's a lot of negativity there. And all they want to do is basically bring you down, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I confront those guys. I don't, you know, I don't give them time of day. You know, I just, I just shut them out, basically. And uh, Is it easy I, to do that, to shut them out? I, th- I think you need to be aware of it. You know, you, you need mm-hmm. to be aware of it. I mean, it's, it's, one, it's one thing helping... I'll get guys writing to me almost on a daily basis saying, "Mem, I've got this great idea for a film. They send me a, a pitch deck, which is basically, you know, um, you know, photos, you know, what they call a mood board as well of, of how yeah. they see the film. They send me a synopsis of it, um, potential cast, blah, 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 blah. And they say, look, we'd, I'd like to make this film, you know, can you help me, you know? Mm. And, and a lot of time, you know, I, I, I Turned them away because it's unsolicited, you know, males that are coming through. And and also it's not, um, you know, I've got a certain slate of films. We have a certain budgets that we have to, to raise in order to do the films, which is a, which is a nightmare in itself, you know. Raising so what is that? Money. Sorry, sorry, Mem. So you produce films as well as act. That's yeah. right, yeah, yeah. So what is that involved in you producing a film for the people out there? Um, so what yeah. do you take on ideas and then how does that work? Well, well, I have done, but a lot, a lot of the times, a lot of times I work with people that I normally, you know, have worked with before, you know, a writer would write a script. They'll have an idea. They'll have an idea then they'll write a script. And then, then you take that script and basically you break it down and you, you know, try to find out what we're going to need in terms of locations, in terms of costs, in terms of finance, what, you know, what, how much would it cost to make this film? You know, you, you, you got so many, so many different variables that you need to consider, um, mm. you know, like insurance, um, costume, makeup, cameras, microphones, equipment, accommodation, food, transport. It's a, it's a, a whole list of things you, know, you need to um, take into consideration. Mm. But, um, but you, you know, but you have these writers that, you know, you know they want to, they want to get their film made basically. So they'll write to you. And, and it, it does break my heart to say no to them, which you know, nine out of ten times I do because we just don't have the time or the budget or or the inclination to make the film because it's not what the market's looking for right now. It's not right for the market right now. Mm. You, you, you need to reverse engineer. Um, you know, you kind of see what 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 films are in. Let's say I don't know horror films or westerns. Let's say, you know, if the market's crying out for a western hasn't been made for a while, so you know, when you want to make a western. Someone comes to you with a, a script for a Western, then you think, great, you know, we'll, we'll try and make this work. Um, but if it's inundated, full of like horror films, and someone comes to you with a horror script, you're going to turn around and say, no, thank you, but, you know, it's not what we're looking for right now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, see, I'll give you an example. I supported the uh, Prince's Trust initiative. Um, they did a... They did a project to help disadvantaged children, right, who wanted to have a career in the film industry. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, we made a feature film together. With, it was a mixture of, like, professionals and those kids that wanted to train to become a part of the film industry and work within it. And it was a film called Don't Call Back. Now, that, that was very satisfying. I mean, in the end, the film, we didn't get a very good distribution deal on the film, um, you know, but that wasn't the, the, whole, the whole point of the film. We made no money on it. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't set for that, set up for that. However, it was gratifying because we had helped these kids. And then later on, I've got a letter from, in fact, two or three of them that had landed jobs within the film industry and were getting a paid wage, you know, to 
you know, you know, as a runner or, you know, as a, a camera assistant and, and so forth. And it's gratifying to do that and get that, you know. So like I was saying, if I see someone is actually trying to better themselves and they want, you know, my help, then I will help them. But if it's someone that's just coming out of nowhere and just saying, well, look, I want this. Can you get me, you know, half a million to make this film or whatever? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's not going to happen. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't support it. I support some charities as well, like WaterAid. You know, it you know, transforms millions of lives every year, you know, um, providing... That's a good like, charity. I, yeah, I, I think so. Well, yeah. You know, clean water, toilets, hygiene. Um, the yeah, World Wildlife Fund as well. You know, I've adopted a chimpanzee before and a giant panda and a jag, jaguar. Oh, nice. You know, so it's <laughs> the these things I like doing. Um, yeah. I've recently donated a whole lot of well, furniture, because I'm in the moment renovating my house. So I got rid of some uh, leather furniture. I donated it to the British Heart Foundation. Mm -hmm. So that's a good thing to do as well. Now, the World Cancer Research Fund, I've been supporting for many years. The day, the day I lost my sister to cancer uh, was when I, when I started, you know, contributing. Yeah. And, and I would on a monthly basis. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then re recently, in 2018, November 2018, I lost my mother. She had Alzheimer's. And then, oh, um, and then yeah, and then she had liver cancer. So I lost my mum to liver cancer. I stopped funding the World Cancer Research Fund. I don't know why, you know, but I just stopped. Because mm -hmm. I thought to myself, I don't know, in my mind I was thinking, my sister died of this. Right now, I would never want anyone to go through what I went through when I lost my sister. So, how can I help? Right, okay. I, what I'll do is I'll contribute to research and development, you know, and hopefully they'll, you know, they'll find a cure for this thing, you know. Mm. And this was this was in this was in uh, in the eighties, and um, you know, and having done so for all these years, and then to lose my mum to it as well. You know, a part of me felt for that moment time. It was momentarily, you know. I thought to myself wow, that they really haven't improved. You know, they really haven't, you know, advanced. They could send people to the moon and, you know, send um, things to Mars, you know, to observe mm. the, the, the landscape of Mars and so forth. Yet cancer is still, you know, the main killer. Uh, you know, it just feels like there haven't been, there hasn't been much improvement in, in that research. So I stopped, but I get, but I've started again now, you know, but what I'm saying is it, it kind of it affected me. Yeah. Certain things in life, you know, do, do affect you in a way that, you, you know, you do have to kind of really sit back and, and try to resolve yourself and, and try to get back, you know, but it can be a battle. Um, it is. In some ways, it's a daily battle. I think so. Mm. You know, I read a book, there's a book called Can't Hurt Me. It's by a guy called David Goggins. Um, he was like a Navy SEAL. I mean, he, held, he holds the current um, Guinness, Guinness Book of Records for uh, pull-ups, I think it is, yeah? And he's a... Uh, mm -hmm triathlon competitor anyway it's, it's account it's an account of his life and the adversity that he went through through poverty prejudice physical abuse you know and mm. it really is a fantastic book you know i mean it, it's really enlightening it, it, it kind of shows what you can achieve with determination and if you really really want to you know aim for something and achieve something you can you know and, and that's what he's done you know and it is a really, really good book to read. What helps you, Mem, to battle the daily life battles? How do you get through it? 
I, I just want to keep on learning. I just want to keep on exploring things and learning new things and, yeah, and, and achieving, achieving, you know, as much as I can do whilst I'm here. I guess I guess what I want to do is I want to leave some form of legacy, maybe. Um, hence, I mean, what, what one thing I like about films is that is that once you've done a film, you know, you're kind of like, you're there, you know, you're on film for eternity, you know? Yeah. So yeah. even though, you know, you've <laughs> passed and gone, yeah, um, you know, you, the film still remains, as it were, you know? And people can pick up that film and watch it, and it's almost like you're alive again. That's that's what I like about it. I think that's that's what I like about the medium so much. I deal with things differently. I mean, uh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say. I mean, like with bereavement, let's say. I mean, when I lost my father, mm. you know, on the 16th of this month will be his second you know anniversary. Um, how I dealt with it, I started writing so much poetry. You know, yes, um, that's something that I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote so much poetry that it, you know, the poetry I wrote, I wrote a poem about my father, and the NHS. I had a real bad experience with the NHS. You know, um, I wanted to move my father out of the the hospital that he was in at the time because mm -hmm. I, he really wasn't being cared for. You know, not not not. You know, it wasn't. The, you know, I know. You know, the understaffed. You know. Um, overworked, fact fact. underpaid, same yeah. old story, you know. And um, but you know, I had my father was in hospital, and it was just in levels of care. The people were uncaring and unmotivated, and there was a real arrogant and incompetent um, consultant, right? Basically, that was that was dealing with him, you know. And it just it really hurt me because my father was a very honourable and dignified man, and he'd been reduced to this kind of like bed bound and confused guy with delirium um during his stay there and um how long was he there for he was there for months yeah he was there for months they were going to release him and then he caught then he caught mrsa and then there was other further delays you know, caused by you know inability to get a proper they, they didn't have a, a proper proper hospital bed for him the, the side handle of the bed had broken and there was like a sharp protruding like metal bit that was like sticking out which you could easily cut his you know graze his leg on and i asked them so many times to change it and they didn't you know and in the end i had to go there myself and and put like a tape around it you know it was just honestly it was a nightmare i mean here's a guy you know he was a high-ranking uh, lieutenant general in the army he was an agricultural minister right he was a guy who was educated at london school of economics he had two degrees and he was from the Haji Mullah family, which is basically an aristocratic family with a lineage of like landowners, all his, all his like, um, you know, nephews and relatives and whatever, they're all politicians and leaders of government. Um, like my first cousin, my father's sister's son, he was the prime minister of Northern Cyprus. I mean, he, he, he also died, um, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, because when you're, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or what, where you're from or how wealthy you are or whoever in in a, in an NHS hospital, everyone's the same. Yeah. That's how he, I know. I agree with that. That's how, you know, that's how it should be. No one should have any privileges, but, but it was just the due care of attention that, you know, the minimal, do you know what I mean? The actual care wasn't there, you know, at all, you know, it's heartbreaking. And it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, for me, for the for the whole family, where, where, you know, it was it was heartbreaking for me. And then when I I lost him, well, I've complained about I've complained about what sort of treatment he was having. Yeah, and, and and I wrote his poem, and the NHS actually approached me, and they said, "Look, listen, we're really moved by your poem, and we will, we have an NHS like publication uh, that they do every year, I think around Christmas time." 
And they said, look, would you mind if we publish your poem in, in, that, in the booklet that we have because it would help others with bereavement? Oh, wow. said, Do you have I, the poem there? Uh, to hand? Yeah, one, yeah uh, one second. Yeah. Yeah, I can read it if you want. Would you mind? Okay, it's entitled There Will Never Be Another. Okay. There will never be another. His arms were our shelter. His hands our provider. A voice filled with wisdom, guiding our each and every decision. There will never be another. A selfless nature and a true gentleman. Throughout his entire life, how richly blessed were we to have had a father as wonderful as he. There will never be another. A special smile matched with such a caring heart. Only a heart so pure would give so endlessly and unselfishly from the start. There will never be another. Magnificent as a lion and just as strong and brave. Through sacrifice and withstanding heartache, he taught us oh so well. There will never be another. The journey you now take, Father, you must take alone. To be reunited with our mother and your daughter upon a heavenly throne. We will meet again. Engraved in our hearts, you'll remain. For this is not an end farewell. Just some time apart till then. There'll never be another. That's so beautiful. Yeah. That is exquisite. Thank you, Mimi. Oh, man. I've lost my mum, I lost my father, and I lost my sister. I have no one apart from my, my wife now. And she's amazing. You know, she's, she's, been, she's a real support for me. She's the most amazing woman. You're blessed to have her. Yeah, I am. I am. To have someone at least that is there. You know, it's not the quantity of friends, as you said, and so called. It, that no. At least you have that support, the pillar of support with her. It's the quality, yeah. It is, absolutely. And it is devastating to lose people that you love. And it is. Your line, you know, the line that you said at the end about it, it, we're going to meet them. I truly yeah, believe for this that. Is not, for this is not an end farewell, absolutely. just some time apart till then. Yeah. That line. And yeah, you know, and, and I believe that. And, yeah. I, and, I, and, and this is not something, I mean, what I've written here is not what men would have written a few years ago, let's say. Because, you know, I was a believer. My father was religious mm -hmm. and I was a believer. We were brought, I was brought up that way. He was very strict and he brought us all up that way. And, um, and I was a believer until I lost my sister. Um, because when she was diagnosed with cancer and she died within six months of, of her diagnosis, you know, and, and I was pray, I'd pray every single day. My mom would cry every single day and my father would be there for support every single day. And, you know, and, and as much as I prayed, I really thought she's going to be okay. She's never committed any crime. She's never, you know, she, she was the most amazing girl, really beautiful, very intelligent, very loving, selfless person. So why, why would she die? You know, that, that was my reasoning. Yet there's criminals out there killing people, stabbing people, whatever you. Um, so, you know, th that, that was my reasoning. So I thought she would be all right. And then when she wasn't and we lost her, that's when I gave up all hope. And I just said, you know, I, f I felt I'd been cheated. You know, I said, God, you've cheated me. You know, I was very, very angry. And then, and then you know, okay, time went by. And but, but I saw the resolve. I saw, the, I saw my father and how 
he still believed. He just lost his daughter, and yet he still believed, you know, there was a reason for it. And, you know, you say things happen for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Now, my, my father died in 2019, and, and for some reason I wanted him to, you know, well, if he was going to die, I wanted him to die in 2020. I don't know why, just I think the year itself, you know, not, not the 19th, but 2020. And, and now, because of the pandemic and everything that's happened, it's like it's, it's a breath of fresh air that, he, that I lost him in 19, 2019, not 2020, you know? Yeah. But, but, but after the loss of my sister, um, you know, I kind of like gave up hope. Yeah. Until the day that I lost my father. Because what happened was I, I basically appro- approached the, um, I'm talking too much, aren't I? I, I, I Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Feel free. That's what it's all about. Right. But, you know, you know, um, my, my niece and my other sister had been looking after my father all night. And then it was time for me to take over with my wife. We, we, so we arrived at the hospital and um, yeah, the, 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 nurse, the nurse had come and said, I, I need to reposition your father. So we went and uh, grabbed a coffee and, you know, and, and um, you know, and I was just like, you know, I was like stressed out, you know, and um, I mean, I mean, at the time, you know, when I, when I walked in, when I walked into the room, he, he, he was laid there, right? The door was open and I could see his like his hair, his silver hair against the pillow and his eyes were shut. And um, he hadn't opened his eyes for, for a long time now. And I'd, and I'd say, Father, please open your eyes. And, you know, it, it, you know, it, wouldn't, it wasn't to be. But I laid my hand on his chest and, I, and I, was, I prayed that his heart would never stop. And he was heartbroken and shattered from losing my, 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 his, his life soulmate, basically my mum, which was, was only 10, it was, it was 10 months ago. So I lost both of them within 10 months of each other. Oh, cool. As we, as my wife and I came back to the room, I was shocked. There was this. There stood this like tall angelic figure, dressed in white robes. Yeah, it was like kind of almost like silhouetted by an like an ambient light flowing from the flowing into the room. And his demeanor was quite, you know, slightly apologetic. He said, "Hi, uh, you know, I'm um, Suleiman Ghani. He was an imam, mm-hmm. and he said I was supposed to come and pray for your father yesterday, but it was delayed." He was. He was real then. Oh yeah, yeah, he was real. And he oh, was real. Okay, Basically, what okay. happened? What happened is we we phoned an imam to come. We phoned mm-hmm. him. It was the, he was the uh, imam for the hospital, and I, we'd rang him for him to come, and um and he didn't turn up. So yeah. so what I did is I phoned the, phoned another imam to come, which a guy that I knew who basically had carried out the funeral for my mother. So I'd rang him and he said, yeah, ma'am, I'm on my way. I'll, you know, I'll be there about eleven thirty. Mm. But what had happened is because as this guy is on his way. This other one that was supposed to have come had turned up. Oh, right. So, so he said, "I said I'm so sorry. I was supposed to come yesterday, but um, you know, I got delayed." However, he goes, "Would you still like me to pray for your father now?" So I looked at I looked at my uh, my wife, and and we were thinking, "Well, the other guy's on his way," sort of thing. Mm. And then she said, she kind of nodded her approval. She said, no, she goes, that's fine. Let him do it. I said, okay. So I said, yeah, I said, I'll, I'll be delighted if you could, if you could please pray. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We sat on one side of the bed with the imam on the side. My father was facing, which is like facing towards the window. Yeah. Yeah. And he went to put some gloves on in order to touch my father's forehead. And I said to him, look, there's no need. You don't need to put your gloves on. I said to him. So he gently like, he placed his hand on my father's forehead. Right, and he kind of slowly knelt over him, preparing to pray. Right, yeah. And um, so he opened the Quran and started to read this what they call the Yasin prayer. 
And honestly, I mean, each word, I didn't understand what it was saying because it's in Arabic, but each word was burning into my heart, you know. And um, so, but some kind of warmth was encompassing my body at the same time as well. It was giving me a sense of comfort. Um, but my, my father was like silently, he was, he was peaceful. He was breathing rhythmically in unison with the prayer. So I'm watching my father, you know, and I want to reach out and hug him, you know, I want to hold him, but I was, I wasn't, I was sat there with my wife holding her hand, was watching my father, he was praying, and on reaching the very last verse of the prayer, and the very last sentence, and the very last word, yeah, my father let out his last breath. No. I couldn't believe it. Oh, and the imam just closed the Quran. Yeah, I'm reaching the very last verse, the very last sentence, the very last word. My magnificent father let out his last breath, just as the imam closed the Quran, and he he was left in a state of shock. And you know what? His words still resonate. He said, "This is miraculous." Yeah, he said, "Your father's soul is so pure for this to happen." that his journey will be accelerated to the heavens, he said. You know, oh. because he's truly blessed. And, and you know, and on leaving, right, mm -hmm. he forgot the Quran <laughs> and his glasses beside the, the, the bedside table, right? Yeah. He was so shell-shocked by it all, you know? And then he came back, <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah, and he, and he took it and whatever. But that, that, that was a point, I guess, I guess that was a turning point for me. Um, yes. I mean, your father at that point, yeah. it was in a way he was waiting for that. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. That's, that's what my wife said. And I said to my wife, I wanted to hug him and hold him. She said, no, it's good that you didn't. There was no need for that. Your father wanted to lay there peacefully. Right. And he wanted to listen to the prayer. And you know what? I don't believe in coincidence. There's no such thing. Absolutely. There is. Right? Sorry. Absolutely, there is no such thing as a yeah. Connection. I appreciate absolutely there is. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, yeah, no, no. You, you know, Mimi. You know, I really do believe. Yeah, that there is honestly, there's no such thing as co coincidence. You know, and late a week later, you know, I visited my father. He was at the East London Mosque. You know, and I, and it was the coffee. You know, they opened the coffee so I could see his face, and I thanked him for being the most incredible father anyone could ever wish for, and how truly blessed we were you know, so I've had him, right? Yeah. And, I, and I took this yeah. poem that I've just read to you and I attached a strand of my, my, my beautiful late sister's hair to it and a strand of my mum's hair. I attached them both to the poem and folding it, I gently placed it under my father's left shoulder and I, I thought, this way he will never be alone. And I kissed his forehead and took one last long look at this amazing, incredible man, my father. And that was it, you know? God rest his soul and yeah. your mum and your thank sister. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. May their, you know, heavenly steps be light always. Yeah. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. But you what know, a story. But, yeah. But I now have, I, I do have faith again, you know, and it took this to, to kind of get me to that point. But yeah. Do you um, practice your faith? Is that something that is I'm learning. I'm learning because, now. you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't really know how to pray properly, you know. I've got my father's Quran here and, you know, and I'm learning, I'm learning to, I'm learning to do it properly. Mm. I kind of, I, I do it, my, I do my way, the mem's way. As it were. That's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whatever I do my own little thing. It brings you closer to God. It doesn't matter. 
I think so. I think I think it's, it's I think it's a very personal thing, a very internal thing. Anyhow, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I just you know try to. He, he must have been a man of of great faith and he was. great presence for yeah, him he was. to go through everything that happened with your sister and with his wife and yeah. everything in his life and the thing that made him take his last breath was um something yeah. you know god given that this is what he was waiting for you know it's the greatest gift that you could have given to him yeah yeah don't forget that ever that um you helped with his transition from this life into the hereafter and with you know a beautiful prayer that set him on his way you know yeah. what greater gift could you have given him at the end sure and you know he, he used to like my poetry and also um you know and, and and there's a couple of films that i want to do this like gunfather film and jailbird and i want to dedicate it to him as well yeah um, but you know after he passed i got so many messages of like you know condolence and love from from northern cyprus and from turkey He's got two sisters in Australia, so I got you know I was getting emails from Australia, and 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 um and they were written in some were written in Turkish, and I'm fluent in Turkish, yeah. Mm. Um, but there was a word that I didn't quite understand, and they said your father was F Sane, right? E F S A N E, and I thought, what does that mean, right? And when you know, the the lot loads of them would mention it, and then when I looked up the actual meaning of the word, it actually meant legend. Yeah. And they were saying that he was a legend in in, in Northern Cyprus, where you know the, where, where he was the village, you know where he was born and so forth. And where was he and born I, in Northern Cyprus? He was born. Well, it's now it's called Angolem, um, uh-huh. but but the modern name for it is called Tashpanar. But but I'd like to visit. I'd like to go over there. I mean, basically, he's he's um he's left me a, well, he's he's a state basically to my to me and my sister. So, you know, I need to, I need to sort it out. You know, I'm trying to sort it out at the moment honestly, with lawyers and so forth. Um, but what I would like to do is actually go there and, and I'd like to, erect, you know, erect a, a statue of him, you know, mm-hmm. for that area, because he was so well known in that area. Um, and people have a lot, had a lot of respect for him and, and they were very, a lot of them were really heartbroken by, by, you know, having lost him, you know, but at the same time, you know, I can't be too, um, Ungrateful, I guess, is in you know he lived to the age of ninety three. Um, good age, it's a good so age. Yeah, I was very, I was blessed to have him for so many years. Other people are not as fortunate, you know. So I, I, I do see that as well. And my mother was eighty five, so they both lived to a good age. It's funny because I lost my mum, and then I was using my father, you know, to kind of help, you know, help with the yeah. yeah the grief, yeah. And then having, and then when I lost, I lost him. Losing my mum affected me immensely, but losing my father as well, it, it really made me feel like an orphan. It's a really weird feeling, yeah. You know, and but I think because I don't have any children as well, um, it was even more impactful. If, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I don't know. It is it's hard, but you know, at the same time, they lived a good age. They had a, a good innings, as people, as they say, you know. But. Uh, it's never enough, though. It's never enough. Love, it's still it's never going to yeah. be enough. It's not. It's not. It's never enough. Now you're right. It's never enough. It's. I think what's important is that while we are with the people that we love, mm. that we actually appreciate every moment of that time, yeah. and make the most of it. And but we're human beings, and we're fragile, and we suffer, and 
you know, it, it's a, it's a human state. Also, yeah. you know, and everyone that's born has to die. We know all of this. It doesn't make things any easier, and you never get over it. You just learn to live with it. Yeah, I think so. It's and are you? I know that you're writing a book, a poetry book, aren't you? Well, no, I'm writing uh, the, the poetry book. Life Have you pressures. done that? Have you done no, I haven't that? done it yet. I, I just want to, I, I don't really want it to be, I want it to be quite a substantial book. I don't really want it to be quite thin. I like to kind of put in as much as I can. But what I am writing is Happy Agony, yeah, which I'm really excited about. Um, Tell us about that. I mean, you know, Happy Agony, the reason why it's called that is it's almost like, you know, with theatre, you have the comedy, the, the, the two faces, comedy and tragedy, you know? Yes. It's, yeah. it's kind of along those kind of lines where what I'm um, mm. aiming to do. But yeah, it's bittersweet as life is, you know, and um, and yeah, it, it's all about my experiences. Sometimes I have people write to me and say, "Mem, I wish I had your life," you know, but they don't really know. They just seen, you know, what the well, where I am now to this present day. Yes, but having got the, you know, to get there, it's been a real <laughs> roller coaster of a ride, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, so basically, it's about my entire life. It's about it's about me being born here. Um, my father was, you know, in, over in over in Cyprus. He was it was in a civil war. My father didn't actually see me until I was three years old, you know. So he oh, didn't know. Okay. Yeah, he never knew me as a baby. You know, only only photos and so forth. Yeah. So I was over here, you know, in London with mum, and my mum brought me up basically as a, as a baby. And then my father came over when I was three years old. Then we went back to Cyprus. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and it's all about you know the stories over there. There was an assassination attempt on his life. Um, yeah, it, it was a war between the Greeks and the Turks. Yeah, and I, I went mm-hmm. to greet him one one day um, after work. He was coming down the steps of his office, which was on a on a kind of high rise thing, and he was step, stepping down, and uh, you know gunfire, and you know it just missed his foot by about three inches like, on the step, um, and then his bodyguard basically sorted it out. Um, that I mean. I'd be having panic attacks every day. I think. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's he keep, quite yeah. traumatic. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't realize until after he died that it was also. He also belonged to a group. They were like police, kind of like undercover military police. And he was. Oh. He was. He was involved with that group. And you know, I didn't even find out about it. That's why he was such a secretive man. You know, I, I think we didn't find out until he passed away. You know, but. But he'd always have a gun, you know, in, in the bedside cabinet. Not over here, obviously, not in London. Yes. <laughs> over, over in Cyprus, you know, he'd have a gun. and That's quite know, normal I mean, over there, I think. But it's quite, yeah, it's normal. You know, I'd pick it up and play with it, whatever. It was, it was, it was unloaded. <laughs> but, you know, and <laughs> yeah. one thing one thing he used to have as well in, in the, he used to drive a, a Mercedes and he's in, in his glove compartment, he used to have a, um, you saw a bottle with a snake in it, right? That had a had a mouse in its mouth, and it was a snake that he had. It was a, it was a snake that had just bitten a mouse that he had caught in the field, and he had killed, and he put in this bottle, you know, a big bottle. Yeah, it was quite. Yeah, I mean, sizable. Yeah, sizable, like a vodka bottle sort of thing. And you know, so he had this snake in there with a rat in its mouth, and and he used to say to me that you know, um, like, you know, when you when you look at this, he used to say to me. Remember that there's always someone more powerful than you, right? So here the rat, the rat has lost his life to the snake, but the snake has lost his life to me, you know, would say to me, you know. It's a good lesson, actually. Yeah. So, he, you know, he was trying to say that, yeah. So always look at on both sides of, of the fence, as it were, you know. 
And, and I kind of do that anyhow, because I mean, when people say to me, you, you know, yeah, I'm content, right? There's people out there in the world that are a lot worse off than I am. My, my, I'm always about equilibrium and about balance. So I kind of see my, see my position and, and, you know, and, and I am grateful for all the things I have. And when I do desire more, and then I think, well, look, you know, how about such and such? They've, they haven't got this, they haven't got that. And it's true, but also I think it's nice to have a balance of like looking at people that have got more than you as well. You know, there's a lot of people out there that haven't got as much as I have, but there's a lot of people out there that have got a lot more than I have as well. Looking, looking forwards kind of gives me, looking forward, it, it, I see my aspirations, yeah? And gives me that motivation and that drive to get up every day, not to procrastinate and to drive forward. But looking back also gives me clarity. Some people say never look back. I don't agree with that at all. I feel by looking back, it gives me cl clarity of where I've been, what mistakes I've made along the way and what I've learned. Yeah. Because yeah. all those things that have happened to you on the journey from the past to your present day is what is the person you are now today. Yeah. Yeah. So is, I feel the past is just as important as the present. And the future is just as important as well. The, and the future is uncertain, you know, and, 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 and as in, I guess, as with investment, like when they say, you know, past trend is no, is no forecast for the future. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of it's the same with this. I say the same approach to life as in, I see that the past trends or past happenings is what's led me to the position where I am now. And it does give me an understanding of it but it does not necessarily mean that I can now explain what's going to happen in the future. Um, I agree with you. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't um, mean, yeah, it doesn't mean. It doesn't anything. mean past experiences as in, well, that person did that. So that means they're going to do this. Not necessarily. No, not at all. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, we can know, be surprised. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I guess the surprise element is what's interesting about the future. If we could predict what's going to happen, then there's no surprise. Is there? No. Um, I mean, if we knew there was a pandemic coming, <laughs> I don't I mean, know. Uh, that in itself, well, that's another story for another day and a whole different subject. Yeah. But um, yeah. we've got to take from every experience something because it's there to teach us. And I think that everything we go through in life, when I look back at some of the people I've mixed with and some of the things that I've done, and I think, why on earth did you do that? Yeah. But then I, if I look at it, as you say, in a more sort of global way and not so much as on a blame level, because we can all say, why did I do that? That I shouldn't have done that. But you have to think also that we as people are changing. So what we were 10 years ago is not what we are now. No. We're further along our development you change and your personality changes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But fundamentally, our core and our essence remains. Remains. Yeah. yeah, completely. Yeah. It's just as we're trying to find that, I suppose, as you say, that beautiful word, which I love, is equilibrium. And, yeah. you know, it's that spirit level of when something's straight, you know, then you have that bubble in the spirit level and everything is at one yeah and everything's harmonious yeah you, you, yes yeah yes and yeah, i think yeah. that's the point i think we can win these daily battles of however long we're on this planet and with being with people is if we can be in harmony with ourselves as you said at the beginning 
with our body, with our spirit, with our mind, it has to be a perfect balance. Yeah, very much so. It does. And this journey of life, I mean, here we are on this planet with I don't know how many people there are. They say seven, eight billion people. And here we are experiencing this huge, huge change in the world. Yeah. Which I believe in my heart, truly, that better times are coming. We're going to have to go through some very, very difficult times. I do believe that. Yeah. But ultimately, it's a cleansing for the planet and yeah. a cleansing for all of us. And something that can't change is that divine within us. And we yeah. know what we've got to do, men, on this planet. Each and every single one of us, without a shadow of a doubt, we know what we have to do. It's just, we've got to do it. It's the same thing with global warming, isn't it? And, you know, the climate change and whatever, you, you know, it, it, one country alone can't do it. We all need to do it together, yeah, for it to have a, you know, significant effect, um, you know, to heal the, heal the earth, as it were, you know, so... Um, because we have, we are, we're destroying the planet we're living on, you know, and um, we're destroying ourselves. And we, we're you know, doing that. Yeah, we're we doing are. that. How? Yeah, why are. does anyone care about, in inverted commas, global warming? Why does anyone care about anything? Yeah. Unless they care about themselves, because you've got to put your own house in order. Sure. As they say, unless I put myself in order, and I do more for myself and that's not in a selfish way but if i'm at peace i'm not going to bring disharmony to you if i'm feeling bitter and upset i'm going mm. to bring disharmony not only to you to everyone and everyone that comes into contact with me so we can't tackle anything as huge as whatever the situations out there that are unless yeah. we tackle ourselves yeah i agree and it's too yeah. huge. It's our own responsibility as, you know, the great, the great, you know, spiritual, mystical sages, people that know far more than I do say the biggest war is with ourselves. If we conquer that and our mm. own ego, then we are in a state of bliss. Yeah. And like you say, ego, ego is a. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tricky old thing. It is. It is. <laughs> Yeah, it it's number one, and it, it does it gets in the way all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it, the ego is a very tricky thing, but because we're human beings and we are made of earth, and you know the soul is made of light, we mm. have to have the ego in order to exist on earth. Otherwise, we'd be angelic beings. You do, you do, and I and I, and I very much believe that you have to love yourself before you can love others as well. Yes. You know, genuinely love others. Yeah, you, you know. Um, yeah, you know, as as an actor, you know, you you need publicity, and you know, you you know, I'm you know, I, I do post pictures of myself and all the rest of it, but it's because I'm comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with doing that. British attitude is very different, you know, like you know, with Americans, yeah, because I work with Americans a lot, and you know, you know, they'll they'll you say how you you know how you today? Oh, I'm fantastic. I'm feeling great. This that whatever, you know, it's always kind of it is kind of over exaggerated, but it's not a bad thing, you know, to have that kind of positivity. You know, whereas, you know, the, the Brits wouldn't do that. They just, you know what I mean? They're just a lot more reserved. And, you know, I like the idea of guys says, I'm, 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 you know, I'm fantastic. Then fine. Why not say that about yourself? You know, or, 
yeah, I can, I can handle that. I can do whatever, you know, they're, they're very confident, you know, and I, I like that in people. I like that kind of confidence. There's no point in you making yourself small because you will not serve anyone with that. But we're not um, small. We are so many universes. Yeah. We are magnificent. You called your father magnificent. Yeah. And that's correct. Yeah. And, and we are magnificent. And that's not because we're on an ego trip, but we are. We, you know, that Iman had the power to actually be there in the transition of a human life. Yeah. Of a soul leaving a body. Isn't that yeah. magnificent? Sure is. Yeah. No, I completely believe that. You know, what I'm saying is, well, you know, I think, you know, we, you need to think big, you know, why not think big, you know, um, there's no point. I'm, I'm just saying thinking small doesn't serve anyone. No. I feel that if I don't strive to do better things and bigger things, um, I feel that one, I'm doing myself a disservice by not doing that. And another reason, my motivation to do what, you know, what I do and to achieve more than what, you know, you know, what I set out to achieve is so that I can, I can be in a position to help others. The, the more I can achieve and the more I can do, you know, the more I can help others. That's the way I view it. Um, but if you can't help yourself, man, you can't help anyone else. You can't, can you? you know? No, it's impossible. You can't. I, I know um, I visited a very, very wise person many years ago. And the lady came and said, you know, people were going to advise for him. And the lady said, well, I want to teach the people and I want to lead the people. And right. it was a very simple answer. And he said to her, well, have you actually lived that life? Have you actually yourself reach that level yeah she said, no right so he said well then how are you going to lead anyone to somewhere where you've never been yeah and it was the most simple line man but the most profound yeah um, what, did she, what did she say well she just sat there i remember and she was an older lady yeah. um and she was flabbergasted because she was so proud of her knowledge, um, what she was going to do. And she didn't say a word. <laughs> yeah. And he said, that's not for you. That's not your role on this earth. Right. It's almost like so, the blind leading the blind, I guess. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, yeah. with, with every intention, I think. But, but, but at the same time, you see, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, you can take the, you can take the kind of pessimistic view, I guess, and, or say, yeah, it's like the blind leading the blind. But for me, I, I, I like the idea that a woman had the had the courage, right, and the and the yes. motivation, and inclination to you know to, to to feel that she could lead, even though she's never led before, and she will never lead. But yeah. it doesn't matter, as you it doesn't said. matter the fact that she. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. It's, it's <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yes, definitely. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's bittersweet, as you said earlier. It's a bittersweet thing, but she had the courage, and she had the courage to ask. Um, but you've also got to then understand that as a leader in whatever scope that may be, you've got responsibility. Sure. And yeah. you don't want to lead someone in the wrong direction. No, no, no. Obviously, yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, all credit to her for believing. Yeah. Um, but if we don't believe, we won't achieve anything, I don't no, think. No, exactly. You won't. And also, and also, you should never... I don't think you should compare yourself to others either, you know. Absolutely not. You know, I completely yeah. believe that you should be you should be looking at what you've achieved, right? And and make your make your own goals and just go about your own business as it were. You know, just do look at you, you know, improving yourself 
and don't yeah. worry about others. I think it's more important. That's that's a lot more important to do, you know, caring about what other people are doing. Or you know, um, but we can't compare because you use that word unique, and I love that word unique because yeah. how can I compare if you're a bird and I don't know, I'm a fish? Sure. How can we ever compare? Yeah. Yeah. We're just completely different beings. We're two human beings that are completely different. That we might have similarities being part of, you know, humankind, but how can you compare? It's not fair. Um, you can't. To yeah. Yeah. You, you can't. know, what, such and such a person did that, but that's not you. It's yeah. impossible to compare. And I think we're always doomed if we compare. We'll always be sad, we'll be depressed, and we'll never achieve anything. I think I think each new day is a new beginning. It's all about yeah. your um, yeah. your mindset. And um, even every moment is a new beginning because if today you decide, well, you know what, ma'am, I am going to put that poetry book. I'm going to write a hundred pages, but I'm going to put it out there. And in that moment, you have actually grabbed that chance, that blessing of that moment, and it can change everything in your life. Yeah. Yeah, seize the day, as they say. <laughs> yeah, and I do think you should write that book, even though it's 100 pages of poetry, because that poem was superb. Yeah, you know, I will. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, to be honest. I, I like to... <laughs> I'm not very good at multitasking, even though I try very hard. I think most men just can't multitask anyhow. Well, I'm not mean? saying anything. So, so I like to focus on one thing at a time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know. But you never know. You might wake up tomorrow, like I did with the podcast, and say, I'm doing yeah. this. You never know. You never know what new energy every day brings and what inspirations, yeah. will, you know, come I'll leave you. you. I'll, leave you I'll, I'll read you one other poem, which is, which is the one I wrote for my mother. Yeah. Yes, please. Yes. On losing her. Mm -hmm. And it's called I Am Here. Okay. I'm here. I'm here, I haven't gone. I'm in your heart, you are never alone. I'm in every wind that blows. I am the sparkle on winter snow. At times feeling lost and on your own, I am the soft light that will guide you home. Every tear you shed, I'll wipe away. Just think of me and you'll hear me say, I'm here, I haven't gone. When you awake each silent dawn, Look at the skies, do not mourn. I am the sunlight that radiates down. I am the rain that makes little sound. Those who have loved me and I've loved back, instilled I'll be forever in their hearts. I'm here, I haven't gone. Oh, That's for mum, yeah. She had the most radiant smile, you know. Um, what was your mum's name? Turkan. Turkan, and your father? Yeah. Ferda is in my surname. Ferda and your sister? Aiden, A-Y-D-I-N, Aiden. Aiden. Yeah. Okay, I will say a prayer for them later. Oh, thanks, Mimi. I appreciate that. I will Thank do. You. But, you know, and yeah. look at how you have become such a compassionate and kind man. Yeah. You know, so 
I'm just hoping that this this podcast hasn't been too depressing for people. <laughs> Absolutely not. Because I mean, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't sure when you contacted me. I wasn't really sure what you wanted to speak about. Whether it was going to be about my film career, which it normally is about, mm. right? Or if it, or if it was about my family and my personal, you know, grief, you know, bereavement and so forth. And and when when I got that second um, message from you, the text saying that it was about my family. That's when, if you remember, at first I thought, it's not that I wasn't key, so I've got so much work to do. I thought, "Mm, you know, not sure if I can do this, you know, and I I looked at some of the podcasts that were very spiritual, about spiritual stuff. Um, But then when you sent me the second one, I said, Mem, you know, you know, it's about your family. You've reached, you know, that's what's kind of reached out to me. I like to talk about That's what changed my mind. Because I, you know, I, I mean, I'm kind of fed up with talking about films, you know what I mean, in my film career. Yeah. You know? So this has been really enlightening for me as well. It's been a real and good for experience. for me too. It's been a very I, good experience for me. You know, you've helped by allowing me to talk out about this as well. Honestly, it's, it's, it's meant a lot. Oh. It means a lot. And um, I nice. knew that you had, as I said to you, I knew that you had something yeah. beautiful to bring to myself. Yeah, and to the listeners, because yeah, you're so compassionate. The com- the compassion and the kindness really stands out. Uh, maybe you don't see that. Yeah, but just as the old man in the hospital saw it. Sure, I see it. I see it. Yeah, and yeah. people out there need to see it and to feel it because you know, even hearing a story such as yours, Mem, yeah, can transform lives. You know, yeah, well, I hope it can help so others. Yeah, but I'm, I think, I think, I'm very honoured, really. Yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel that perhaps, I think because, because obviously, you know, part of me is very business orientated. You know, you have to have to have where my business mind, as it were, you know, producing and, and and also I do, you know, I invest and stuff like that as well. So, so I've got that going on. But really, what you're really seeing is the core of me. You know, when you, you know, what I've spoken about today. Is the real me? Well, what people see on the screen is a person. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a character. It's not me. It's not Mem. Um, but what I've what, what I've spoken to you about today and what I've expressed, that's Mem. You know, that's that's me. So yeah, I'm the glad. Real yeah, the real me. And uh, and I hope that it has been of benefit to you know, to some listeners. And yeah, um, it it will be for sure. And I will let you know because people always send me um, messages and emails and episodes. And I will let you know, of course, but I am certain that this will have an effect on the listeners because it really has had an effect on me. I have to say. Yeah, that's good. You know, sometimes people call me um, Mim. (laughs) You know, know, Mim. You can call me Mim. Yeah, yeah, they call me Mim. You know, when I saw your name, Mimi. Yeah, they do call me Mim. (laughs) Sometimes I get called Mim as well. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> yeah, Mimi, but Mim. M-E-M. Yeah. yeah, rather than Mem. <laughs> they they're, do. They're, yeah, they pronounce it as Mim. When when people are being serious, for some reason, they don't want to say Mimi. They say to me, now listen to me, Mim. And right. I I have to sort of stand back and think, oh, this is going to be a lecture now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Mimi's, Mimi's, Mimi's kind, of, <laughs> it's kind of cute, isn't it? It's like, you know. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's been so lovely to have you here, Mem. And I always ask my guests this for some inspirational words, you know, a couple of lines of things that have helped you in your life that may help other people out there. 
think the I think the lesson learnt for me, um, having gone through real roller coaster rides, is that I think we need to bear in mind that we have to do do what you can while you can. Um, you know, if there's no reason for you to postpone something that you really want to do, then I feel that you should pursue it and and you know and go for it. I feel that once you do that, you you will feel a, a sense of empowerment having done so, rather than you know I don't know leaving with regrets of having not done so. And I and I really do believe that everything does happen for you know, happens for a reason. So yeah, that's that's what I would say. That's very good advice. Actually, it's something that I live by: do what you can while you can. Yeah, I think I think that's so important. Yeah, it, it's very important. Thank you, ma'am, for joining me today. And thank you, you for know, having sharing, me. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Really, the pleasure is all mine. And for sharing such intimate and personal things about your life, it really, I'm truly honored that you found the time and also that you trusted me enough to share that with me and my listeners. Yeah, no, very much so. Oh, and where can people find out more about your work? Well, I'm on, I'm on, on social media. Um, there's my mm-hmm. website, www.memfurder.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter at uh, memfurder1. And um, that's it, really. I'm not on Instagram. Um, yeah, I mean, you can get me on my website. And also, you know, on IMDb, you can see what, um, what you know, what, what future um, films I have coming up and what I've done so far. And all the wonderful things. I want to watch Heist actually london heist yeah yeah i want to watch that all right yeah it's good yeah yeah (laughs) i want to see you see you in that yeah Um, push is very good as well i've got i've got a much bigger yeah i've got a much bigger role in pusher than i do in london heist um yes is it on netflix i think so yeah and also the devil's double as well about saddam hussein that was a very good that's a very good film um Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen a film in ages, but as soon as I saw your films, I thought, right, I'm going to watch them. This looks something that I could get into. Yeah. No, yeah the Anthony Hopkins one I want to see. Anthony you Hopkins. Know, um, yeah, you know that uh, the new one is he's playing an old man. I mean, he's an old man. Um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember yeah. the title of it. Yeah. No, I can't either, but that's something. But sure. I'm going to watch it and then I'll give you my reviews. Yeah, I no, do so. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and look out for Gunfather, which is going to be a trilogy, which which I'll star in. Um, so, oh, I mean, okay. So yeah, are you I mean, producing it and starring in it. Yeah, I, I won't be producing it, um, but I'll oh. be starring in it, and also okay. a film called Jailbird. I won't, be, I won't be producing. I'll just be starring in these two. Um, when is and that also coming there's, out? There's a film called Jail- Checking Out as well, which is the one that we're developing. Um, it won't be until 22, 20, well, end of 22, 23. We're, we're going to start filming end of 22. Um, so, yeah, probably won't be out until 23, 24. So 2023, 24. But Jailbird is very exciting. It's, you know, it's about the, it's about the craze. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and I play a, a character called Frank Mitchell. Um, who is, he, he was basically in prison with one of the, one of the craze. And it's about him escaping from prison and, you know, being holed up in this uh, hotel and, you know, and they're, they're, they're getting uh, like a prostitute to entertain him and he falls in love with a prostitute and so forth. It's quite, that it's, sounds interesting. It's quite a good story. In fact, in fact your birds, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, our, our version of it is more of a romance, m- romance gangster feel to it. 
So yeah, that's that's very good. Um, um, I went to an exhibition actually, and I and I purchased um, when Ronnie Cray was at, at Pankhurst Prison. He made these four paper mache uh, paper mache masks. In fact, I think, I think he made five. Uh, one of them got lost, and one was well, I think one was slightly damaged. But it was like there's like four in circulation. Well, anyway, I went to an a, a, an exhibition, art exhibition, and two of them were actually up for auction, and I purchased them. So I'm, uh, so I'm the owner of two <laughs> Ronnie Cray uh, paper mache masks. They were actually featured on RT, you know, RT News Channel. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Russian television. Yeah. yeah. So basically, I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them as part of the um, when we do the premiere for the film. They'll be in like Perspex glass. Uh, display uh, units and you know they'll be shown at the premiere and that so yeah so I'm quite excited about that but one, one thing I do one thing I haven't mentioned in our podcast which I which I do find a bit irritating and a real problem is is my age is that is that I feel at times running out you know oh don't say you that know what I mean? honestly and, I, and I'm going oh, to be turning I'll be, I'll be 58 at the end of October well on 30th of October and um honestly yeah I but just, thank god that you're lived that you've lived this long. Well, I guess so. You're right. You're right. You've, you know, this is what you have to um, say to yourself, you know. Um, thank God you've lived this long and yeah, I guess you've so, been yeah. graced on this planet. Yeah. And, you know, age is really, it's a funny old thing. But well, it's age is but a number. But I don't know, when, when you get out of bed and your, your joints are out and you, <laughs> you start to think, <laughs> oh, man, what's going on, you know? I mean, you wouldn't believe the amount of tablets I'm popping now, you know. What are you taking? Vitamins? Well, no, no I'm just saying, yeah, vitamins. Like, you know, yeah, vitamin <laughs> vitamin D, D3 and God knows what, you know, um, uh, all sorts, honestly. Well, that's um, a good thing. Hey? That's a good thing. It, you're looking after yourself, which is yeah. not a bad thing. I'm you, trying to, yeah. I'm trying my best, yeah. Yeah. You've got to try, and that's all we can do is to try. But, yeah, vitamin, th- vitamin D3. Um, they said vitamin C. Vitamin C, yeah, yeah. Um, Some cod liver oil. Um, cod liver oil, echinacea. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Some good honey every day to make yeah. your life sweet. Yeah. As my grandfather used to say. Yeah. So um, definitely, it is time is just not even real in any case. So who knows yeah. how old you really are? Yeah, exactly. You're probably twenty one, really. I am at heart. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that's what matters. And yeah. in another, I don't know, who knows, in another world, maybe you're 3,000 years old. So I think <laughs> it, it's just a number. Yeah, it really is just yeah. a number. Yeah. And, um, as our motto is, you know, you and I, we've got to do what we can while sure. we can. Sure, sure. And be grateful. Listen, Mimi, thanks for reaching out to me. I really Thank appreciate you. it. And, and there's a, you know, we obviously had that connection in, in, in a spiritual way. Absolutely. You know, and um, no, no, I'm glad it's been a good experience. And uh, yeah, I hope you got what you want out of it as well. And um, for sure. And I hope I'll, that I'll, you enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah, I have done. I look forward to I look forward to listen, listening to it. You'll send me a link, won't you? Once it's yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course, I'll send you a link. All, All right. right. Take All right, care, then. then. Take okay, care. look after yourself. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Memferda. It is truly inspiring to share all my guests' stories and really how humbling to have shared in this story a moment of our life. Thank you, as always, for joining me 
Until next time, take care and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovic.co.uk.